Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for... He's got get away from the cock speed! Touchdown! Overreaction Monday! Hurts on the Jets! The Cowboys, bam, 69! Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan! I welcome the Overreaction Monday pod, trying to get you through your miserable Monday. Not a weekend for college football that was draped in glory. Not a lot happened, really. Some good games, some kind of subtle movements, but this was not a defining weekend of college football. We will get to all sorts of games here, though. We're going to run through them. But first, I think the most interesting thing that happened in college sports this weekend was at the late night with the fog. (laughs) Midnight Madness event at Kansas. The infamous late night with the fog where a couple years ago, Adidas executive James Gatto and consultant TJ Gasnola just happened to coincidentally run into the mother of Billy Preston, top recruit, Nicole Player, at the Kansas-approved hotel in Lawrence, just happened to run into her and started doling out $89,000, centerpiece of the FBI trials and Kansas's current plight. But that's late night in the fog's gone past because Kansas had no knowledge of that, guys. None. Didn't know anything about it. Nope. How could they? Why would you know anything like that? Um, the Kansas uh, defense clearly does not want you to think you're does not think much of your intelligence. But hey, if you want to believe it, go ahead. Anyway, so Friday night video starts emerging. This year they bring in Snoop Dogg, the Do Double G, Long Beach City in the house to Lawrence to perform at the end of Late Night with the Fog, and I, I'm good with that idea. Chaz it up a little bit. I don't know. You can't get these kids to. Why else are they going to sit through a fake practice? This isn't, ni- this isn't 1983 anymore where you're supposed to be so excited and filled with pep and vinegar, you know, pep and school spirit. You got to see the Jayhawks. <laughs> well, Snoop, <laughs> Snoop, as anybody who knows anything about Snoop, is pretty much going to write about <laughs> or going to uh, sing about, you know, gin and juice. <laughs> Smoking, <laughs> smoking things that aren't legal yeah, in Kansas, I, but are in many other states. <laughs> His act is going to be complete with uh, stripper poles and dancers. There's going to be money flying around. He's got a money gun. 
uh, also stuff. So this hit on numerous levels, which I thought were pretty funny. One was the blue-haired Kansas fan. <laughs> they they do have many of those. <laughs> Who yeah. were kind of outraged that this was... <laughs> I just—they always well, thought Lionel Richie was too risque. So <laughs> <laughs> I believe wasn't and like the wasn't the first word out of Snoop's mouth when he started singing or rapping uh, the N word. I mean, I think that was like literally the first <laughs> word, and it went from there. It might have been. It might have been. I mean, I, I did not hear. I was not there. Um, but <laughs> you didn't download I mean, it, Dan, and listen to it know. for posterity's sake. It's the Snoop Dogg. I mean, what? <laughs> I don't know really. Like, I just this whole thing cracks me up. I'm sorry. So <laughs> someone really didn't think this through. Like good idea that someone needed to go, well, maybe not. Okay, maybe not. And then they go, Well, we thought he was gonna sing the clean version. Really? Right. Snoop Dogg's such a rule follower. Like this is why we like Snoop Dogg. I've been a Snoop Dogg fan for decades. Like this is of course he's gonna sing like this. I mean, what? Oh no. Uh, <laughs> so we got that outrage. But then there's the conflict because then there's the outrage that, I mean, here's here's a school that is under <laughs> serious NCA investigation. And they're at least supposed to care about this. And they've got the optics of Snoop Dogg in his Adidas gear, shooting money around the basketball court. Basically just, and, and this comes on the video, which I thought was was also pretty, somewhat funny, of, of uh, Bill Self walking around with the Adidas gear like he's a, he Snoop. He was like the Snoop Dogg, or you know, in, in some some video, and uh, you know, it, it, it was uh, a lot of people. Uh, I think, including us, looked at it. I mean, my my phone just lit up with college basketball coaches texting, going, "What the hell are they doing? Oh uh, my yeah. god!" <laughs> Pat, you wrote about it. I'll have some thoughts. I'll I'll add. I'll I'll let you take the floor on this one because this <laughs> should be funny. Yeah. Well. Let's just say that for a school that has really, really tried to present itself as the victim of foul deeds and uh, was badly done to by the underbelly of college basketball within its first real public appearance after getting hit with this big notice of allegations to have Snoop shooting the money cannon at the players uh, on the court. Maybe that doesn't project the uh, we are the victims here image that you've been trying so hard to pull off. And, you know, if you just want to maybe add, if, if maybe this would be a good time to, to come in a little bit low, come in humble, you know, come in quiet into this season. Maybe the stripper pulls on the court were not the right tone. Possibly the women spinning around on them wouldn't project any sort of, you know, humility or let's just get down to business. Uh, let's play basketball and move on. Let's let's stop the sideshow. Now, that, that's not really the way Kansas went. And then to me, the thing that really kind of pushed me over the edge to write the column was the statement from Jeff Long the AD, where once again, oh my God, how are we supposed to know? As you said, we thought we were getting the clean version, not the soft porn version. We did. I didn't know what an acrobatic dancer was. But when they're setting up those poles for the Snoop show on your court, 
James Naismith Court. It's a pretty good <laughs> hint, pretty good tip. What's going to go on there? So I, I the the once again Kansas like, oh somebody snuck around behind our back and surprised us. First it was T.J. Gasnola and Jim Gatto, those darn cheaters. Now the NCAA, then the NCAA came to get us. That's not fair. And now Snoop's making us look bad. Shut up. <laughs> it's hard to, it's you know, it's hard to know anything that's going on in your program. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's just so hard to know. We didn't know. We didn't know they were paying the players. We didn't know that 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 Gatto and Gasnola were meeting with Nicole Player, the, the, Billy Preston's mom. We didn't know that they were stripper. You thought what? Did, well, I don't know what the poll was. Yeah, they. It looks like a little more oversight. I think at the, the most, even the most uh, nutcase Kansas fan would have to say maybe slightly more oversight would be needed, or just go full heel. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's the thing. They wanted both ways. Now it's like if you're going to bring him in, it's like okay, just go for it. But then it's like, oh, well, we're sorry. No, that's not really what we wanted. That's not us. We're classy. We're Kansas. Okay. So here's here's my like takeaway from this as it as it built up. So mid last week, there's the video of self that went viral on Twitter of him wearing what Pat called very hilariously in his column, an Adidas logo you can see from outer space and big gold chains. He's going through the record store and he's promoting Snoop's appearance at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. And like right away, because the Adidas logo was so big, the thing went viral. And I got a million texts from coaches like, what are they doing? What are they doing? Like, why are you antagonizing the NCAA, right? And so when you go back to when the notice of allegation drops, Kansas took a very specific tack towards the NCAA. They did not follow the sort of tried and true playbook of fall on our sword. We take these allegations very seriously, blah, 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 blah. No, they went straight partisan politics heavy rhetoric. The NCAA is the boogeyman. We're going to fight this tooth and nail. We're going to go to the death, which I think for the record right now is just a ludicrous strategy to antagonize the NCAA as it decides the fate of your $100 million basketball program is a really bad idea. And if you're Jeff Long, the new athletic director at Kansas, who, by the way, for every year of probation gets another year on his contract, which at this point is probably going to be five years on his contract, which is going to be seven and a half million dollars. If your strategy to take the only viable athletic brand that Kansas athletics has and what you're going to do is pander to your base as opposed to follow like a, a tried and true playbook. Like I hate to say this, but the lawyers who've looked at Kansas's case, they have no case. Yeah. They have bank records on TJ Gasnola. They have him buying two players. They are they have more evidence against them than any other program that's implicated in this college basketball trial. And here they are sticking up their middle finger to the NCAA in their formal statement, tweaking them with the Bill Self video and then just going full, you know, moon, double bird, any other way you want to say it with the with the late night in the fog, because you have the intimation of the Georgia Tech case with the stripper pole. You have money flying around. I mean, I think. Like, if you're Jeff Long, like, it, let's take the plane and run it right into the ground, right? Let's just <laughs> let's just go to Indianapolis, knock on Mark Emmert's door, drop three stink bombs in his office, and then run and laugh. And the stink bombs are going to be like, you know, 
Kansas colors. Like, this is what they're doing right now. I think it's a ludicrous administrative strategy. Like, if I was a Kansas board member, I would go to Jeff Long's office Monday morning, grab him by the collar, slam him against the wall, and say, hey, Jeff, act like an adult. Like, he's acting like he's trying to give himself those years probation and raise. It's a ridiculous strategy. Now, some lawyers that I've talked to have said, okay, there's a big difference between day after, like notice of allegations rhetoric, and then what you actually end up saying and doing in the NCA case. And there could well be a difference in that. But there is zero argument that Kansas has helped themselves at all, and it's generally hopeless case right now. So Kansas is basically saying these are two, uh, two and I'm just going to give their side of the thing. These are two separate things. Basically, we hired Snoop Dogg. We weren't making a statement on the NCAA. Um, and on these cases, you know, that's certainly possible. But again, the rhetoric and all that, my issue with this whole thing really is if they want to play heel and they want to go after the NCA, they want to fight. I don't think that's a really good strategy, but that's the strategy they want to take. Certainly in this country these days, the best way to get out of anything is accuse the other side of doing something, uh, blame the, the authorities, the FBI or whatever. And, uh, you know, somebody investigating, and and uh, go partisan media, playing the other side's media. That, that generally works in, in the country right now. So that's the game. And so maybe that's their playbook. My my issue with Kansas is really solely on their victim impact statement that they filed in that Gatto case. And they wrote a letter, um, and they could have written anything in their letter. Um, a victim impact can... Not they can just kind of play it neutral. They can tone down what they're saying. They can be pretty reasonable. You can do anything. I mean, we just saw in 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 Dallas incredible scene last week of a you know the brother of a slain guy killed in his in his apartment by a off duty police officer, and he ends up asking to hug her and says, "I don't want you to go to jail, and I think you're a great person, and I love people, and all that." Right? You can see that full extreme of what you want to do. Kansas wanted to destroy they, they they wrote an impact statement just to cry and quote the damage done by Mr. Gatto and his co-conspirators greed cannot be overstated. Okay, that's a, that, <laughs> just that is a line. Unbelievable. That is a but, line from the Kansas thing, right? Like Their a bunch actions, of really smart people sat in a room and wrote that on paper and thought people were going to believe them. Sorry to cut you off, Dan. It's a brilliant. Yeah, no. It, it, it's ridiculous, okay? And they wanted they wanted to make it like Jim Gatto deserved as much prison time as possible, and they sought one point one one million one point one million one point one three dollars back from James Gatto. Now James Gatto was their friend. James Gatto is a middle manager at Adidas. He made one hundred and thirty nine thousand dollars. He had he has two teenage kids and a wife. He's making it, but he is not a wealthy guy, okay? He is not rolling in it. He was their partner. He was the one who helped you get the players to win 14 consecutive Big 12 championships. If you do not believe that Jim Gatto and Adidas helped you win 14 consecutive Big 10 championships, you're an idiot. <laughs> Sorry. Sure. You literally have to be the most naive <clears throat> idiot I've ever heard of. This is what happened, okay? Bill Self knows Jim Gatto. Curtis Townsend knows big Jim Gatto. Lots of people at Adidas know Jim Gatto. Lots of other coaches, people around basketball, out of basketball. Fran Fraschilla brought this up on Twitter. Wrote There was 100 letters of support for Jim Gatto. This is a great guy. 
Okay. Jim Gatto was a guy who was in a crazy business and somehow got caught up in this thing. Yeah. You asked for $1.1 million from this guy. When you're Kansas, you have tons of money and you're trying to just hammer this guy. You're saying, I want to bankrupt you and your family forever because you ain't got $1.1 million, But we need it. Kansas, of all places. The University of Kansas is one guy. Same thing with Merle Code, right? And this is part of my problem with why none of these administrators, nobody from the NCA, nobody in college has showed up at this tri- these trials. You sit in the trial and you watch and you see Gatto and his kids. You see his wife. You see how he acts. You see who he is. You see Merle Code. You see his sister there. You hear about his little kids. They're people, okay? These are not criminals. Did they do something they got to go away? Fine. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I think it's stupid, but whatever. But to sit there and say, we are these huge victims of these guys and we need to crush them. And we're, we're so aggrieved. And I want to ruin this guy and his family financially. A guy who literally was your right hand man in, in, in helping out. Yeah. That's pathetic. Okay. And so then when you play the, we don't care, we're just going to be, we're going to be the tough guys and we're going to, we're going to flaunt it. And maybe they meant it, maybe they didn't. But if they didn't, how is the Bill Self viral video and Snoop Dogg two in a row in one week and all the rhetoric and all this stuff? How, 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 I mean, someone's missing the boat. And to me, that's my problem. These are real people with real families. And when a person goes to prison, the whole family does the time. And, and, and I just think it's pathetic. You're sitting there trying to destroy Jim Gatto's life. Because he helped you out in recruiting. You got all these text messages. If you want to literally believe Bill Self wasn't talking to TJ Gasnol about buying players, I don't know how to help you. But you certainly can't sit there and go, I am a complete and 100%. Show a little bit of dignity, a little bit of class, a little bit of grace to the human in this. You want to have Snoop Dogg, go for it. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not offended by Snoop Dogg. I don't care. I don't really. I find it much more interesting if Kansas wants to go full heel and go against the NCAA. Hey, have at it. But they're real people in this thing. And and you one minute you're crying victim and screw this guy, and the next minute you're going, yeah, whatever. So that's my problem with Kansas. Well, yeah. No, and, and then extrapolating beyond, yes, going after a guy of of not modest means, but but certainly not somebody that could afford a million dollars, who was absolutely doing his best to help you, but then turn around and you sign a hundred and ninety-six million dollar agreement with Adidas two weeks after you get that settlement from Gatto. They got 200 grand from him, which I'm sure will hurt Jim Gatto's family for a long time, paying that much. But then you turn around and sign a $196 million deal with Adidas afterwards. I mean, it is just like the the peak of shamelessness, in my opinion. Yeah. So the, Yeah, the hypocrisy here is just endless. Like, there have been some Kansas administrative decisions in all this that are just baffling. Hey, guys. Hey, geniuses in Lawrence, why don't you wait six months to sign the $190 million Adidas deal? Do you really think you're going to get a pass from the media when you're in the middle of a federal basketball trial and your program is about to get pounded by the NCAA? Do you really think about the optics? Like, is there anyone in charge of optics at Kansas? Like, is there anyone looking beyond their myopic little tunnels about how 
ridiculous this all looks. Think about this. We've been talking about this for probably 15 minutes now, and this is the first time we brought up the $196 million deal like a whisker week after the federal basketball trial or a, a whisker after some of this stuff emerged. The, it, it is just preposterous. And if any administrator at Kansas sat in a conference room with Bill Self and he convinced them that Jim Gatto, TJ Gasnol, and the whole Adidas crew did not help him at all, and they were just these rogue guys out there. My God, go to the yellow brick road and find the Wizard of Oz, because that's what you deserve. <laughs> you are that naive. Yeah. No, there is no assistant AD in charge of optics, clearly. Or if there is, he is, yes. he is vision impaired. Yes. There's not one in charge of common sense, that's for certain, too. Like, yeah, we were joking last week uh, on the on the pod where Dan talked about like the the surge in hirings of assisted ADs. Like <laughs> they need they need to hire more at Kansas because the people sitting in the room making decisions on the benefit of the University of Kansas Athletic Department, they should all be fired today. <laughs> yeah, I just I I got a hard time respecting any institution that's that wealthy going after an individual like that in this situation. I just you got to at some point you let up on the gas. If you want to go with the gag and go, say to the NCA, we didn't know, we didn't know, we didn't know, that's fine. Okay, that's your defense, fine. But when you're trying to destroy a guy's life when clearly this, sto- this story is garbage. Yeah, that, that is, that is, that is repulsive. I mean, what, what the hell are you getting out of this? Really? You couldn't have just written, hey, um, you know, Kansas is really troubled by this. And uh, we, we, we give you all uh, we reserve all judgment to you, Judge Kaplan. You should make the decision on uh, on the fate of these guys. And just 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 slow, just soft pedal, man. Just go soft. Who cares? Right. Maybe no, they needed to for pay for throw. Snoop, Dan. Maybe they needed the, the 200 yeah. grand to uh, to get yeah, Snoop's, I mean, uh, Snoop. Snoop could in. not. Snoop wasn't there for 500 bucks. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I, one Unbelievable. Fast, one but, funny aside here as we as we uh, wrap this up. When we broke the story on uh, Kansas getting its notice of allegations, I called like a long time the PR guy you'd call at Kansas when you you know when you want to when you want to no comment, which was pretty much going to happen. And uh, he picks up the phone. And he's like, "Yeah, Pete, sorry, I retired a month ago." And I was like, "You know what? Today's a really good day to be retired from Kansas PR." <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> and like most recycled college administrators i heard this week he ended up at the college football playoff because you know yeah sure Perfect. keep the keep keep the gravy train rolling go? boys yeah. keep the gravy train rolling all right let's get some football in biggest game of the week with ranked teams was florida hosting auburn florida wins the big play 88 yard td run it's kind of an odd game a lot of turnovers uh it's kind of just it was the week and just ugly games a lot of ugly games but a hey, huge win for the Gators, a high ranking Florida Athletic Department employee took great joy in <laughs> mocking Pat in the group text. And give him credit for the pre-mock, Dan. Like, yeah, not no, he did pre-mock. Pat was wrong. Oh. He mocked him in advance, yeah. being giddy that he was picking against the Gators to then to then do that. And he, he, mocked, on, that he that- mocked on Wednesday, and then he came back and mocked <laughs> again Saturday night. So I, I respect the consistency. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. He or she. He or she. <laughs> yes. Okay. We're yes. not giving. We're not revealing. Could be anybody. We'll just call yes, him Deep Gator. <laughs> yeah, Deep Gator texted. <laughs> <laughs> with a creative uh, gift, with a creative gift, by the way, too. You know, yeah, each time. Yeah, it's really each time. So no it's text games. Yeah. So oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, I don't know how good the Gators are, but they're six and zero. And <laughs> cocktail party now with Georgia pretty much probably should decide the SEC East. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what what do we think of uh, of Florida? And we'll get to Auburn. Look, I I got a and Pat wrote it in the ten takeaways column uh, Sunday night slash Monday on Yahoo. Like I, you got to give Dan Mullen a lot of credit. He's kind of figured it out. Like he's a guy whose quarterback pedigree goes back to Alex Smith. It goes to Dak Prescott, and here he is, sort of you know he taken Felipe Franks like a, a reasonable uh, you know a reasonable length considering where he was when he took him over from last administration. Franks gets hurt. Kyle Trask comes in and, you know, Mullen has some skill and he's just kind of figured it out and made it work. I mean, Florida's offensive line is very young. They'll be good eventually under John Havasey, but they're not that good right now. Auburn has one of the best D lines in the country. And and Mullen is one of the savviest play callers and game planners in college football. And, uh, you know, he he proved that uh, he proved that again on Saturday. They they figured out they figured out a way to do it. And uh, my other big takeaway from that game was, wasn't it fun to see the swamp really rock again? That place had just been this like depressing, uh, you know, I mean, if you had, you had Jim McElwain there, who was like a total misfit, the Muschamp era was a total bust. And what the, when the swamp rocks on one of those 3.30 CBS uh, games, like on a nice sunny day, like that's college football right there. So I was I was happy for those fans who endured those two bad hires and almost like kind of a decade of irrelevancy. Like I felt like Saturday was their coming out party. So I, uh, I toast my, uh, I toast my cocktail at the swamp to the Gator fans. Welcome back. Yeah, it was a good show. Really was. I mean, yeah, you're Dan's right. It was a sloppy kind of crazy game, but <clears throat> the fans really up, pumped up the atmosphere. And I do think that we've got to give a ton of credit to Mullen for what he's done with a quarterback situation that was not ideal, <clears throat> you know, when he got there. I'm going to tell you guys right now, the top five, six in uh, passing uh, efficiency in the SEC. Number one, Alabama with Tua Tonga-Vailoa and the best receiving core in the country. Number two, LSU with Joe Burrow, who's been around the block and a very, very good receiving core. <clears throat> Number three, Georgia with three-year starter Jake from Number five, Kelly Bryant and Missouri. Kelly Bryant. You know, ton of experience. Number six, Kellen Mond, three-year starter at Texas A&M. And in between them, at number four, is Florida, which has played second and third stringers for like the last three weeks at quarterback. And they started with Felipe Franks, who was very much work in progress, but they got enough out of him. He gets hurt, goes down in the middle of the Kentucky game. They're losing. It looks like that's game over. Trask comes off the bench. Boom. Leads them back to this great comeback victory. They continue on with him. Then he gets hurt during the game against Auburn. They bring in Emory Jones, third stringer. What does he do? He leads them on a field goal drive at a time when it looked like they were losing momentum. So he has a great way, Mullen, of imbuing confidence into his quarterbacks and getting winning performances out of them. Now, yes, this is definitely a defense-first team, but I was super impressed with what he's been able to do with, with so, so far not yet a flush hand by any means at Florida. Yeah, that's a good win. And, you know, I, I just, we don't need to discuss Auburn too much. We're going to discuss them a lot the rest of the year. But the loss does not kill them. By the Bo Nix was looked very freshman-y. Woo, uh, but they was, get LSU at the end of the month. They get an off week. They get some time to prepare. He can kind of reset. They're at LSU. End of the month, they get Georgia and Alabama at home in November. Uh, everything's still right in front of Auburn. This is the problem they had facing this many good teams. It's hard to hard to win them all against that schedule. Uh, they they take care of business and they're going to be in the playoff. And they're going to win the SEC and all that. So, or at least they're going to get to to Atlanta and have a rematch with somebody, either Georgia or Florida, probably. So everything's there for Auburn. All right, Pete, you're at this one Friday night. Cincinnati four and one now, twenty seven twenty four victory over uh, UCF. 
Bearcats' only loss is to Ohio State. It was a blowout. This was a great win for Luke Fickle. Uh, Nippert Stadium looked fantastic. Rowdy. I think they, it was the biggest crowd ever there. I mean, I love it. Um, love that stadium. And love seeing, love seeing college football when it's popping in a city. It's, oh, a, a, any of them. I always like it when it's like something big's happening in a city, not just in a, a campus town or whatever. And obviously Columbus is a city also. But, um, uh, but I, I just like seeing that. Anyway, but a lot of chatter. Is this the end of the Knights? The Knights run over. Well, first of all, I'm just going to I'm going to echo your point on Nippert Stadium. Pat said it, I think, when he went to their UCLA game to open the season like it. That, that stadium's like tucked in the campus. It's like a, it's like this cool little cauldron of energy and it. Really rocked. It was a beautiful day. I, 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 I laughed as I like waddled to the press box in my suit coat and tie like there was like a lot of Cincinnati fans carrying natural light seltzers I feel like that's like the the tailgate <laughs> drink of the year and it was a, it was a, it was a warm day where you know if you're a Cincinnati fan you may have wanted a refreshing <laughs> beverage and if natural light seltzer is your refreshing beverage of choice I'm not going to argue but I would argue that uh it was a well-oiled crowd Go ahead, Pat. You look like you want to jump in. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that, it, look, if you if you need to know, like, the beverage of choice at tailgates this year, what better podcast to get it? Because that that's the kind of service we actually do provide <laughs> to our listeners. So yes. that, that is key yes. information. Well done. Let me just let me let me jump in real quick. Uh, I'm not <laughs> sure if you saw this, but the good people at Bush Light are now selling uh, what they call the bushel. The Bushel oh, yeah. of Bud Light. Oh, yeah. Do you like follow Bush Light on Instagram, Dan, like, <laughs> to get this information? Uh, uh, they follow me. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. a flex. Hump, there's a flex. If I got Humble a flex, I'm going to flex. They follow me. You set me up on that. <laughs> a Bushel, 54 cans, comes in at uh, – Forty nine ninety nine, and in Iowa, where they're doing it, you get ten bucks to the Farm Rescue of Iowa. <laughs> ten bucks goes to the charity. The our farmers in Iowa are struggling right now. So anybody listening, growing our corn and stuff, keep up. But anyway, uh, fifty six packs. I mean, these things are monsters, obviously. So I'm, I've not had one yet, but I'm intrigued. Needless to say, all right, back <laughs> yeah. to the game. Yeah. So like once a season. You know, when we go to the press box in our professional attire with our backpacks on, with our laptops in them, there's like one day a season where I'm like, man, I wouldn't mind taking my backpack, slinging it on the ground and just going, joining strangers to play cornhole and drinking for the next six hours. Now, I love my job. I was happy to go to the Nippert Stadium right at column the other night. But that was one of those walks because sometimes you like wind right through the tailgating and you're looking around and you're like, man. Would it be bad to like? Because I mean, we're we're the same uh, we're we're the same way. Like we all we all we all love our jobs, but we do like an occasional beverage. And oh, yeah. Pat, you probably right. go to more sporting events because of your kids uh, swimming and such. But like we we all probably don't go to a lot of sporting events as spectators. And I I that like Friday night for me was a like I'm jealous of the spectator uh, evening. So anyway, the place I, the- I don't know I don't know that if you hadn't just written that as a column that I was supposed to. <laughs> I'm supposed to cover this game, but seriously, it's Cincinnati UCF. Instead, yeah. I just got drunk at Nippert Stadium. I, I probably would have done pretty well. I would have read it. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> just I would have been like, you might want to run that up the flagpole, though. Don't take yeah, my advice no, on that. No. Yeah, Wet's told saying, me to like, do it. Yeah. 
I'm yeah. not, I'm not <laughs> asking our drunk. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying I, I was I, I was going to do it, but I was just saying, like, we're all human when we walk through those tailgates. And, it's tough. You know, you oh, see, like, the, and meats the and, intricate yeah. setups, and you got, like, the, the huge grills cooking food and everything like that. So, anyway, Nippert Stadium was rocking. It was a uh, it was a ton of fun. I knew UCF was in trouble after I used my uh, willpower and walked through the tailgate and walked down to the field. So it's probably, if we're an 8 o'clock tip, I probably got there at 5.30. It's still 70 degrees. You know, students are all wearing shorts and drinking their natural light hard seltzers. And I look at the UCF bench, and it was supposed to get into the low 50s. And there's two heaters, like like space heaters, that, you know, you'd have on the sideline in Cleveland for a December game. <laughs> and I was like, did they really bring heaters to Nippert Stadium? It's a bad a sign right degree? there. Yeah, it was like it was almost like they were like mentally defeated when they when they got off the bus a little bit. And sure enough, like I looked during the game and you could see that little orange glow of the heater on the sideline and some dudes were like sitting next to it. So I was like, mm, if you're and, and let's let's put it this way. I talked to a couple Cincinnati coaches on the field before the game. They noticed the heaters. <laughs> and don't yeah. think that didn't go into the, like the pregame. Those oh, guys yeah. don't want to be here. They brought, you know, whether it's true or not. So anyway, to, to streamline to the to the point. I still think UCF is very good. They have a freshman quarterback who has potential. He was not accurate. They got to the red zone. They didn't score a touchdown until their fifth trip to the red zone the other night. With a little bit better execution, that game easily could have been a a handy UCF victory. Uh, Now, but look, give Cincinnati credit. They, it was interesting, they treated UCF and the Baylor wide split system almost like a lot of programs treat a military academy. So if you're playing Army or Navy, a lot of times starting in summer camp, you're going to play a period of practice just against the option. Just so like by the time that week comes, you're not reading Latin, you're familiar with it. And while they didn't say it was the UCF period, because, you know, other teams run that Baylor stuff. Basically, Cincinnati's coaches, after giving up an average of 44 points a game to UCF the first two years, they 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 really changed the way they do things programmatically in order to in order to have a better chance strategically against them. They played three down linemen, uh, Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator there. Luke Fickle gave a lot of credit to basically he had to tell some of his best interior linemen, you're not going to play a lot tonight. Because the personnel we need on the field to stop UCF is not that. So, you know, give give a, a young coach, a young head coach and Luke Fickle credit. He saw the struggles that they'd had. They adjusted significantly throughout their entire program. And then they came out and matched the moment uh, when, when they needed to the other night. They, he said they played 27 players on defense. They did a lot of things different, which you need to do to stop UCF. So do I think UCF is dead or bad? No, I still think they're excellent. Some of their athletes are awe-inspiring. They're, you know, they've, they've, they've got a lot of juice. I was wondering if they were going to put in Daryl Mack, who, who really flashed well for them late last season at times. Gabriel just struggled. No other way to put it. He was a freshman. Yeah, but a fun night in the nip. I, I was on the Cincy train hard uh, preseason, so I'm happy to see them uh, doing what they're doing so far. I thought they were going to be the best group of five team. And uh, you know the way most of my predictions turned out. I'm glad to have something that may hold up. I, it's, the AAC is pretty fun, <clears throat> I have to say. Those two schools, and then in the West, you've got Memphis undefeated. you got SMU, this great story. But uh, So it's, I'm going to enjoy you watching. See how they won? You see the touchdown catch to beat oh, Tulsa? I mean, it, phenomenal. Don't AAC you? is a blast. AAC yeah. is so much more fun than the ACC. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, you got Cincy, Temple, UCF. You got SMU, Tulane. 
yeah. is rolling. But I mean, they're too late. Army game cool. was one of the better games of Saturday. Yeah. yeah, and then Memphis is five. I mean, it's a, at least it's a fun league. I don't know. I mean, look, if Cincinnati's the best group of five team, I think Boise still has got a claim on, uh, got an argument there. They got trucked by Ohio State. So let's just, you know. No, I'm not it, saying they deserve the, to go to the playoff. I'm just saying they could be the best right, group of five But teams. they're really, it's a really fun league to watch. I got it no is. idea who's winning this league. And yeah. compared to most of this, you're watching a lot of crappy football this weekend. And you're like, well, at least every time there was an exciting game, it seemed to come from the AAC. So at least yeah. there's that. At least we got that. I mean, we're talking about it. Yeah, right. Which, hey, Mike Oresco should should send us a uh, a bushel. But I, that's my only other point <laughs> is, uh, I, you know, Sierra Nevada's my beer, and I follow them on Twitter, and they do not follow me. So I, I give credit oh, right. to Dan Wetzel for being followed. This by is the reverse. That's probably because they've been following your picks, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> they, like their families can't go on vacation this year. Yeah. This is the reverse of the Popeyes. He got the Popeye because he's in Louisville, <laughs> and I didn't. And so it all evens out. It all return to mean, Pat. Return to mean. When does the sandwich come back, Dan? Do we know? I don't know. I, guess, I don't know. I might have to back. call. I might have Popeyes. to drive by today. No, no, no. They're gonna they're gonna announce that as a big deal. They're not just rolling it quiet. And it's not a soft launch. I, I don't <laughs> <better> know. <not> be. <laughs> yeah. It'd be completely wrong if it is. Yeah. All right. Also, in AAC news, uh, we have this week's in Randy Edsel's agent update <laughs> <laughs> at Ber- by Berkowitz uh, from USA Today. Just a great job by Berkowitz. Great follow if you want to f- see what Randy Edsel is up to. <laughs> UConn lost forty eight twenty two. You wouldn't think that would inspire anyone uh, in the coaching staff to get a bonus. Oh, but you'd be wrong. <laughs> Randy Edsel and his prop bet roulette game <laughs> contract. Street dice game. He's got a dice game going in East Hartford. <laughs> they, they, they negotiated his contract playing three card Monty. Yeah. What is this thing? He gets a $2,000 bon- bonus out of the game because the Huskies forced two turnovers. <laughs> so he got trucked, but two grand. Winner, winner, chicken dinner on Randy. Unbelievable. It's up to forty grand this year in bonuses for a team that has only defeated Wagner. <laughs> like Dan Mullen got a hundred G's from being making Florida bowl eligible, right? I I don't really love that either, but because you figure if you're Florida, you should do that. But whatever, hundred, yeah. you know, at least that's like something, right? Yeah, it's not. Um, it's not a prop yeah, bet, like you said. It's not. It's some weird gimmicky in-game ridiculous thing. All right. Speaking of ugly games, man. Cover your eyes. Michigan, Iowa. This thing was right out of the 1930s. Mm. But Michigan won 10-3. Michigan's defense came to play and saved Jim Harbaugh from relentless mocking, at least for a little while. Uh, Eight sacks, three interceptions, including one that set up a field goal that was somewhat critical. They allowed just 261 yards to Iowa, including just one net rushing yard. Iowa had one net. Not going to win a lot in the Big Ten on that one. Uh, but Michigan had just 267 yards on itself. Uh, win is a win, though. I, I Look, if if Iowa had won this thing, we would have been leading with how, you know, what happens to Harbaugh. They win, they win the game. They got a lot of work to do on this offense, and I don't know if they can get it right. But uh, what did you guys thought on this game, or did you just turn it off because it was a punt fest? Oh, gosh. I, I actually watched the whole thing and then tweeted that that's three and a half hours I'm never going to get back. Uh it was it was a hard watch. 
Uh, but yeah, no, that, the bottom line is, yes, it was something that Michigan had to have. If they didn't, you're right. We are leading this podcast and everyone is talking about the you know wreck of the Jim Harbaugh era. Uh, so they, they got the win and, you know, they was, I thought it was a big day for Don Brown, the defensive coordinator, much celebrated, but also we've been criticized because they got trucked by Wisconsin. They got trucked by Florida in the bowl game last year. They gave up 60 freaking two to Ohio state. So he, he, they needed a big defensive performance and they got it. Uh, it was a classic Don Brown game. They were dialing up pressures like all over the place, especially on third downs. And the thing that just I was shocked, like Iowa had no idea how to counter. I mean, this is not an, a cheaply paid Iowa coaching staff here. For one thing, it's not a bunch of rookies on that staff. This is also a senior quarterback. And they look like, oh, my God, why are all these people coming at us? Is it legal to blitz like this? I mean, they had no idea what to do. Nate Stanley was an absolute sitting duck, and it played right into uh, what Michigan wanted to do. It became a feeding frenzy. I mean, it was just gross, really, what Iowa was, was looking like offensively the, the fourth quarter. But uh, kudos to Michigan for doing what it needed to do. I, I do not see them right now being within two or three touchdowns of Ohio State. I don't think they look as good as Penn State, and I don't think they look as good as Notre Dame. So a lot of sledding to go. I had the uh, great privilege of listening to a majority of the Iowa-Michigan game on the radio as I drove from Cincinnati to Columbus on Saturday uh, afternoon. And it was one of those things where if I had taken a drink for every time the Iowa broadcasters mentioned the wind and the wind's impact on the game, I would have been like passed out by the Columbus suburbs because, my God, I was like, am I listening to a weather forecast or am I actually listening to a radio broadcast? Because they are so in tune with Ferentz's obsession with punting. And it was like the wind's at their back. The wind's, and again, certainly the wind was a factor in the game. I'm sure of it. But like they're like, the wind's really going to take this punt. The wind's gonna, And I was like, oh, the poor souls like sitting in uh, – sitting in Cedar Falls, listening to every word of this. I was like, man. Uh, and I had serious, so I was like popping around to some different stations a little bit. But it was like exactly what you wanted like the Iowa broadcast to be. There were like Iowa transportation and police commercials on the broadcast. And there were everything. And it was like sort of drone Midwestern. The color guy was using we. It was just like it was perfect. It was perfect in, in every way. I would not have wanted to experience that game any other way than the Iowa radio feed. Those the guys did a great job. They they made me feel like I was there. I could literally like wet my finger and put it up in the air and feel the wind as I was driving up 71. So anyway, we we all lost three and a half hours of our life on uh on on Saturday like Pat did. I was just happy that I didn't have to watch it all. It avoided my eyes bleeding and uh I got to listen to a, a little slice of our friends in the Midwest. I feel like we talk about Iowa like disproportionately on this podcast, by the way. I feel like it's like it's like sixty percent Iowa and then everything else. I don't know what, yeah. quite why that is. Maybe the spirit of Carson King uh and his financial benevolence lives on in us. Yeah, might do it. All right, one one last one for me. Uh, UCLA, chip, 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 chip. I wanted to be back and love the Bruins. You brought me back in the Washington State. Now you're just kicking me. Oregon State. Oregon State comes to the Rose Bowl on Saturday. Oregon State has one win. It's against Cal Poly. They take a 21 to zero lead in six minutes and one second. How is that possible? I know Dorian Thompson Robinson and hurt and they got Austin Burton in, but they don't play defense. Neither do the Bruins. <laughs> P 
Pete, are you still sticking with this is going to work? They're one in five. Did you know Austin Burton is the son of uh, Boston broadcaster Steve Burton, Dan? I know you're your Boston roots. I did not. Steve Burton yeah. is a very good guy, and I know his. Yeah, I think Steve Burton's dad was a uh, NFL player. Yes, he was. He was. There was a funny moment. I was at UCLA a Spring Patriot, practice. maybe. Yeah, exactly. I was at UCLA Spring Practice, uh, Chip's first year there, and uh, they have this like massive new like museum looking football building. I looked up and I saw. Steve Burton, who's like, if you grew up in Boston, Pat, which obviously you didn't, he's like the beacon of local sports there. Like everybody knows Steve Burton. And I actually don't know him personally, but like everybody likes Steve Burton. So anyway, great guy. I look, I look over and like Steve Burton's watching practice and uh, Chip Kelly grew up in New Hampshire and he walks over and I was like, we were chatting. I was like, you know what? I was like, I think it's kind of cool that Steve Burton's here. And Chip looks and he goes, Steve Burton's here. <laughs> like, wow. I was like, he's right there. He's like, he's like, I've never met Steve Burton. I was like, neither have I. <laughs> so anyway, Austin Burton, uh, I did not watch much of that because it was, uh, it, it ran over the Ohio State Michigan State game where I was. But uh, yeah, when I saw 21 nothing, I was like, oh boy, we're going to have to talk about UCLA on the pod again. That's Dan's hobby horse. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, you right, know, so Steve, they, Steve Burton played at Northwestern. Yes. From 82 to 84. Okay. I knew yeah. that his dad, Ron Burton was the first ever draft pick of the then Boston Patriots. Yeah. Wow. There we go. So there you go. There we Triple go. generation yeah. there, man. Pretty yeah. cool. Austin Burton throws a nice ball. He came in late the other night when they were on Pac-12 after dark. The game I fell asleep, uh, on my couch with my laptop on my lap watching it. Uh, was that Arizona? Yeah, I think yeah. it was Arizona. Anyway, um, yeah, UCLA, tough, tough, tough sledding. That that was a, that was <laughs> that was a tough one. I'm I'm back to giving up. I'm not going to watch again. <laughs> tough tough sledding. <laughs> That's the, they the, stink. Hinden, the Hindenburg was easy sledding compared to what UCLA's <laughs> doing. I mean, my God, this is an absolute disaster. You give up 48 at home. You get you get run. By Oregon State in your own stadium. Jonathan Smith was hired the same time Chip Kelly was hired uh, at Oregon State. Like for the worst, one of the worst Power Five jobs going. He's getting $1.9 million. Uh, Chip's getting like, what, four to make an absolute wreck out of UCLA. Uh, this, whoa, this is really bad to me. This is a an extremely uh, bad loss. I, I just, I mean... They're at Stanford. They got they got a week off, but they're at Stanford. That's probably an L, although Stanford's like one of the most injured teams in America. Arizona State, L. Colorado, probably an L. At Utah, definite L. At USC, L. At California, L. They'll probably win like one more game. So you're going to go 3-9, and 2-10 and 10 as the savior of UCLA football? Yay. Yeah, not good. All right, let's do small sample Heisman. Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman. How about that? You guys prepared for small sample yeah, Heisman? Yeah, of course yeah. I'm not, Dan. Okay. <laughs> Pat Forty, who won the Heisman this week? Thank you, Dan, for the honor. And you, you actually touched on it. I was afraid you were going to go ahead and like fully steal my thunder. But uh, from oh, the wildly damn. exciting SMU Tulsa game. I am going with senior James Prochet. I don't know whether I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I hope I am. But wide receiver for the Mustangs. Been there through some lean times, obviously, but he's there now when they're 6-0. And when they came back from 30-9 down, got the game into overtime. He caught the winning pass with an incredible job getting a foot down. 11 catches, 153 yards, 
two TDs, the winning TD, James Prochet, senior SMU wide receiver, hometown guy from Dallas. You are my small sample Heisman winner. All right. While Pete looks up his, I'm going to go with mine. It is Ian Book of Notre Dame. Now, look, I know they're playing Bowling Green, and Bowling Green is, is terrible, but the Irish mauled them. Uh, I actually am not sure the Irish aren't better this year than last year. Um, this, they didn't. Uh, this was this was this is what you're supposed to do against Bowling Green. But this is the stat that got me. Book went 16 of 20 for 261 yards. Not going to iPod. You know, nice completion. Five touchdowns. Okay, one out of every four times he dropped back to pass, he threw a touchdown. It's yeah, pretty good. <laughs> Not a bad. You're going to win some games. If your quarterback is dropping back, basically one out of every three completions was a touchdown. I've never seen a stack quite like that. That's enough for Ian Book to win my small sample Heisman for the very good Notre Dame fighting Irish. Pete? I'm going to go to Pac-12 after dark for my small sample Heisman, and I'm going to give it to Stanford tailback Cameron Scarlett. He had a workmanlike 33 carries for 151 yards, but really this is a tip of the cap to the entire Cardinal roster and David Shaw. They upset Washington 23-13, and that's definitely one of those games where like people on the East Coast are going to wake up Sunday morning and be like, huh? Washington lost to Stanford. Uh, Stanford was down to their third string quarterback. They were down to having seven healthy offensive linemen, and they figured out a way to basically manhandle Washington. And this is another year where Washington fails to meet expectations. So props to the Cardinal who are kind of doing what they tend to do, start slow and figure it out. They're three and three now, headed to another bowl under David Shaw. And Cameron Scarlett gets my small sample Heisman. All right. We've said some mean things today, and not just about Kansas. <laughs> How about we try to say something nice? Can we do that? Pat Forty, do you have anything nice to say <clears throat> about anybody? I'm going to try. We'll see. This is, of course, tempered with uh, with some mean things to say. But I am going to uh, say something nice about the ACC Coastal, which may be the most mediocre of all Power 5 divisions. But you know what? Sometimes – when you put together a bunch of incredibly mediocre, inconsistent teams, you get wild entertainment. You get a lot of fun, and that's what the Coastal was on Saturday. Uh, two games that were just crazy. Miami against Virginia Tech. Hurricanes are a train wreck. Five first-half turnovers. They're behind 28 to nothing. They bench their quarterback. They bring back Nikosi Perry, who was supposed to be the guy until they found out he wasn't the guy. Well, second half, he's the guy. They throw a Hail Mary for a touchdown at the end of the first half. Then they make this great comeback, tie the game at 35, and then it looks like this is yet another terrible moment for a bad Virginia Tech team. Well, Hendon Hooker, making his first start at quarterback, leads them back to score the winning touchdown, and then all, there's all this other craziness at the end. But like 42 to 35, wild game. And then that night, Pittsburgh plays Duke in Durham. Pittsburgh goes up 26 to three blue devils can't do anything right. They're turning the ball over left and right. Then all of a sudden Pitt starts turning the ball over. They fumble a punt. Duke scores. They fumble again. Duke scores. They throw an interception. Duke scores. It's 26, 24 Duke scores again, takes the lead, but then Pittsburgh gets it back together. Just like Virginia tech did drives down and scores the winner. So, Hey, it may not be pretty, it may not be good teams, but it's pretty dang entertaining to watch. ACC Coastal, way to at least be interesting. Pete, say something nice. 
I'm going to say something nice in the vein of like the last temptation of the lack of willpower of the participants of the Yahoo Sports College podcast. So I'm going to say that the we're going to say something nice about Wisconsin football, which definitely is like the game when I go to every year where I really want to ditch my tie and my work bag and go like drink Milwaukee's best all day with uh, with the very friendly and affable Badger fans. But I can't get, bend my mind around Wisconsin now. Here we are, first week in October, having three shutouts. It's really hard to shut out a team in modern college football. And again, shutting out Kent doesn't exactly like, you know, necessitate a parade. But for Wisconsin, for three times this season, to hold the opposition to zero points, I, I thought was I thought is really remarkable. And later this month, when they come to Columbus, where I am right now, I think that's going to be one of the great games in college football this year, one of the really compelling chess matches. So I am happy to have the Badgers back in that high-end conversation. And uh, yeah, keep, uh, keep putting them down and shutting them out, Wisconsin fans. All right, I'm going to say something nice about uh, the celebration at the end of the Northwestern Nebraska game. Now, I was uh, at a family kind of family function weekend in northern Michigan. I think I was at the Moose Junction, uh, the Moose Jaw Junction in lovely Pelston, Michigan. The Moose Jaw Junction. Oh, this we, we it's every bit that you would expect. Yeah, everything you'd expect. <laughs> but I think so. The TV at the place was on the Big Ten Network, so I was kind of forced to watch this thing because <laughs> trying to get them to change the channel just not happening. Ten ten Northwestern and Nebraska, two bad football teams in a not really very fun, like a bad game, but it was interesting. At least it was close. Nebraska goes down the end. Three seconds left. They get this kid Lane McCallum. He's from Norfolk, Nebraska. He went to the Air Force Academy, transferred back. He's listed as a safety in the team. Okay, the, the kicker can't kick. He's they're hurt. They get injuries. The punter can't kick. They, that that guy you know missed for the uh, the Colorado game. Nebraska doesn't have a kicker. This guy he already missed one earlier. This is a disaster. But there's three seconds left. It's 24 yarder. He knuckleballs this sucker through. <laughs> they win the game. And this is what I love about college football. The celebration that breaks out <laughs> between these two awful teams. <laughs> Nebraska mauls their kicker. A huge pig pile. Celebratory. The stadium's going crazy. We won a game. I just love that. I love it. it this, it's just, you know what? It's hard to win a college football game, so celebrate it when you do. It's just, it was, that's what I love. No matter how bad it gets. It's like we won. We're going to have a big celebration. And I, I love that enthusiasm because it was totally ridiculous. Like There were no winners in this game, but there really was. So uh, I'm saying something good about the passion of college football right there. All right. That's our show this week. Check us out Wednesday morning. Uh, sometimes we were up at midnight Eastern on Wednesday when we, we really got our act together. Sully's been working hard. So we're getting that done. Uh, sometimes he's working preview. hard. Really, really big weekend next weekend. A lot of big games, uh, so we should have a good show. And maybe we will not talk Kansas basketball for a change. That's that's my goal. We'll see. Talk to you guys then. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on Auto Trader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.